like that. You want to try that. Everybody and welcome it's to like flash, 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 Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are ready to be learnt up today. It is just me on my ones today. I appreciate you all listening to the Logan Blackman Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, unless we have something else. And when I was doing the long, uh, at first I was trying to remember what day it was, and then the rest of it was just for comedic effect. And I think it was very fine. I think we hit all the marks on that one, but. Uh, before we get into the show today, make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan, the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page, and you can check out links to all our different uh, videos and podcasts we post on all those different forms of social media and the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and watch our latest video. We had the recent Gold Cup match for the United States as they take on Panama on, you know, today, Wednesday. We take them on tonight. Should be a fun one all the way over in San Diego, California. So you went from Chicago. I'm sorry, I remember we went from Chicago to St. Louis to Charlotte to Cincinnati and to San Diego. We're playing freaking all over the place right now. But again, make sure the most important thing you do here is follow Logan Blyman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And leave a five-star rating on both. Or leave a rating out of five stars on both. You don't need to leave a five-star rating. But if you want to, I'd greatly appreciate it. You can leave a one-star rating if you want. But whatever you leave a rating, just make sure you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And we brought up the YouTube video to start off. We've been following the Gold Cup recently. I mean, the Gold Cup's been a, a very hot-button issue for yours truly and some of my friends and some of my... My dad's been watching it with me as well. So it's a it's a fun it's a fun tournament if you know what the team is. And I don't want to sound like a hipster or anything, or I liked it before it was cool type thing, but if you're new to soccer, I really wouldn't recommend watching the Gold Cup because that's going to change your entire perspective on the United States men's national team. Whether you look at it now, or like you look at the team now, don't do that. Look at the team from about a month ago that played the Nation League final. The team that beat Mexico 3-0 and Canada 2-0. Look at that team. That's the team you should be looking at. Do not focus on this team and go like, oh, this is the standard of United States soccer. No, 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 no. This is, again, I said this in the video. It depends on how nice you want to be. This is really the C team with an A team goalie. You could be very nice and say it's a B team or B minus team, but man, the, the squad in general comparatively to the top tier of the United States men's national team is not great. But that being said, this version of the United States men's national team is better still though it's a C team is better than like 95 maybe even 99 percent of the rest of the countries in CONCACAF they are in the semifinals for the gold cup they made it the final they won the gold cup last time in 2021 with a B team arguable B team and then this time around they're playing with the C team and they're in line to make the finals again I'm not sitting here saying they're guaranteed to win because nothing's guaranteed you saw the game against Canada they didn't play great they didn't play great. It was like we were watching two different teams. We saw, we went back to the game against Jamaica, and like, man, this is kind of cancerous to watch. No other real way to put that. Just a very rough, rough game to watch. But the games against Trent, Tobago, and Sankets and Nevis were enjoyable. They were very fun. They were high-flowing. They were fast-paced. They were high-octane soccer. That's what you want to see as a fan. But in the end of the, at the end of the day, it's a results business. And the United States got a result against Canada 
luckily, luck they are lucky to get said result, but they got the result nonetheless. They come away with a victory on penalties, winning 3-2. Matt, Matt Turner saves two penalties in the game. First goalie in United States history, I'd say first goalie in 21 years for the United States men's national team to save multiple penalties in a shootout since Casey Keller. Casey Keller, the bald man himself, Matt Turner is the first goalie in God knows how long to have stapled down the starting spot that has hair. That is an insane feat. So you look at Casey Keller, you look at Tim Howard, and you got Tony Mueller in there as well. But you got, you got Casey Keller, you got Tim Howard, you got Brad Guzan, and then you got Matt Turner. And then, of course, there were other goalies in that stretch. Marcus Hanneman was in there as well. Bald dude. Brad Friedel, bald dude. So, like, Matt Turner having hair as a goalie for the United States is just so nice to have. It's so nice to have. And I, I've never really been that, like, locked into a goalie or felt like 100% confidence in no matter what since Tim Howard than I do right now with Matt Turner in net. And, you know, when the United States missed the World Cup in 2018, there were a lot of different factors that went into the years following in regards to, we got to try and rebuild this team. Because the team that went down to Trinidad Tobago and lost to miss the World Cup, when all they needed to do was get a draw and they would have qualified, they had to go through the rough periods. So you saw a lot of players, like there's players that are currently playing the MLS that have one cap, one or two caps for the United States that will never play again, but they got caps during that stretch. Uh, Ruben Ruin, or um, no, what was his name? He played for freaking Guatemala. What the hell was his name? I'm completely blanking on his name. Oh, no, Rubio Ruin, Rubin, yeah, <laughs> he got caps for the United States men's national team. He's representing Guatemala, or was representing Guatemala, at the Gold Cup. He had a one-time switch from FIFA to move over <laughs> to Guatemala. He has seven caps for the United States. I remember he was going to be one of the next good United States strikers. He was in that stretch, 2018. He was around that time. He was there a little bit before that as well, but... Really never did anything for the United States. So I thought I'd never see his name again until I saw him play for Guatemala. Completely threw me off. Completely threw me off. But like David Bingham, he's always the one that comes to my head first when I think of like not great players. Or not, I shouldn't say not great players. For MLS standard, he's a solid goalie. Solid goalie. He's not national team standard by any stretch of the imagination. So when Zach Steffen got it, it was like, okay, we got a guy. But then Zach Steffen gets hurt and this is the nature of the business. It's a bitch. It can be a bitch. Like, you see Drew Bledsoe. His career got completely derailed because he got hurt against the Jets. Tom Brady comes in. Now we look at Tom Brady completely different as before we did, before we saw Matt or, uh, Drew Bledsoe get hurt. Zach Steffen gets hurt. Matt Ethan Horvath saves the penalty against Mexico. We're looking at Zach Steffen. like, oh, he might have closed the gap here. And you look at Matt Turner during the Gold Cup. Like, oh, Zach Steffen hasn't played in a freaking long time due to injury. Uh, and he hasn't played for club level either because he's been sitting behind one of the best goalies in the world in Ederson. It's like, oh, God, we might not have that stability anymore. Matt Turner might take it. Ethan Horvath might take it. And as we sit here right now on July, July 11th, Matt Turner and Ethan Horvath are number one and two for the United States men's national team in regards to the goal-to-keeping depth chart for the A team anyways. I don't know where Zach Steffen's place is anymore. Like, Zach Steffen was the starter of the 2019 goal cover. The United States went to the final and lost to Mexico. He was almost the locked-in starter be the goalie at the World Cup at that point. And then uh, he was a captain in everything. Like, he captained the United States multiple times up to that point. And then got hurt in the National League Final, and that kind of just was the end of it, really. The discussion's been over. So who knows when Matt Step Zach Steppen gets another chance to play for the National League, because he ain't taking the number one spot back. 
The number one spot's locked up. That's done. That's done and dusted. Now it's just a matter of time if he can be able to get that number two spot back. Because Ethan Horvath, though he's not going to re-sign with Luton on a permanent deal, which I thought he definitely would have because of how important he was in their, re- in their promotion in the Premier League, he's played extremely well and rightfully has the number two spot. Zach Steffen, I think wrongly, didn't get a go to the World Cup, but he's not number two. And you're looking at the number three option. What kind of goalie do you bring for number three? Do you bring Gaga Slonina back there? Do you look at him as the third option? Getting him as the the experience around the veteran players, just bringing him along. He's never going to play. Like, if he didn't play in the Gold Cup against St. Kitts or Trinidad and Tobago, he's never going to play. For the for like for the here and now. I'm not saying he's never going to play. Matt Turner's like 27 years old. He's like 10 years older than Gaga Slonina. Not exactly, but around that area. So he's going to get some playing time. He's the... Supposed to be the most talented goalie the United States has ever produced. So there's some hype around that, but that's how you got to look at it. Would Zach Steffen be fine going from number one all the way down from number three without really doing anything to lose a spot except for not playing and Matt Turner just playing out of his freaking mind? Like, Matt Turner has faced 29 penalties. He has saved 14 of them. That is insane. I don't think people grasp how insane that is. Goalie, I mean, penalty shootouts at face value, are very much just a guessing game. For those out there that look at a penalty shootout, it's a guessing game. There's a lot of studying that goes and that is involved in regards to a penalty shootout to know which way a player's going to go. And now, they're not going to go there every single time. I mean, some players do. Some players like to go there every single time. But most of the time, it's kind of random. You saw in the Gold Cup semi or the quarterfinal against Canada, Vittoria goes down the middle twice, beats Matt Turner the first time. Second time, Matt Turner puts a fist to it, punches it out. Game of cat and mouse is all a penalty shootout is, especially against the two captains. Now, Victoria was only captain when Junior Hoylet got subbed out, but it still counts for something. You got the two captains going up against each other twice, and in the end, Matt Turner comes out on top. Victoria may have scored one, but if you save a penalty, that is freaking huge. Like, you remember in the Euro 2020 final, Italy versus England? Jorginho steps up to take a penalty, like one of the, if not the best penalty taker in the world of soccer right now? And Jordan Pickford saves his penalty. England wins a shootout in the 2018 World Cup but for the first time in feels like forever with him in net. Like, saving a penalty is so... It's completely different than having someone miss a penalty. Like, they're both momentum sisters, but seeing your goalie save someone's shot is just insane. He saved two... He should have saved, really... If we're being honest here, I'm going to be a little harsh on Matt Turner here. He should have saved three in a row. He dove the right way on the third time. He should have saved three in a row. Went down low a little too early. Ball went a little bit higher. Not a great penalty. Got a hand, a fingertips to it. Maybe should have done better there. But man, I I just respect Matt Turner a lot for not only coming to the tournament, what he's gone through to get to this point in his career. Like I'm sure a lot of you out there are aware of what Matt Turner's had to go through in regards to not ever really playing soccer until late, not being very good at soccer in college. He was been on SC top, not top ten for a goalie allowed in college. He goes to the New England Revolution, has no caps. His first cap comes in 2021 in January. In, Dece- in November of 2022, he's the guaranteed starter at the World Cup. In just under two years, he went from having no caps to being the unquestioned United States men's national team number one. And not only that, he's coming to a tournament where he knows that this team is not on the same level of the team that he was just with in the Nations League. Completely different level of team. There's no Christian Pulisic. There's no Tim Ware. There's no Giovanni Reyna. There's no Florian Balogun. There's no Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Jonas Musso, Serge, anybody. There's no players like that on this team. As much as Alexi Lalas would love to pile drive down your throat that Jesus Ferreira deserves to be challenging Balogun 
or even Ricardo Pepe for a top striker spot in the United States? He doesn't. He doesn't. So I respect Matt Turner for requesting to be in this tournament. Requesting it. And I hope some point in the near future, I, I like what he's doing at Arsenal because he is getting minutes in the League Cup and stuff like that. I think he is improving as a ball-playing goalie, which is so important in today's soccer that you have to be good with your feet. Like David De Gea, after 12 years at Manchester United, this guy's let, let, they just let his contract expire. Club legend. But over the past couple of years, the way people have acted on Twitter about David De Gea, you, wouldn't, you would think he's one of the biggest frauds in goalie history. But he was the reason Manchester United were able to compete, not for titles or anything, but just compete in the league for many years. Player of the year, multiple times. Your goalie's the player of the year. You're doing something wrong as a team. And now they're going to bring in Andre Onana from Inter Milan, which is awesome to see. Awesome to see, but that's how goalkeeping changes. And Zach Steffen did the same thing going to Manchester City with the, uh, Pep Guardiola, learning under Ederson, who's one of the best ball-playing center backs in the world, or goalkeepers in the world. Mikel Arteta, a disciple of Pep Guardiola, goes down to Arsenal. He has Aaron Ramsdale great with his feet as well. And Matt Turner, since getting that first cap in January 2021 to now, his distribution has raised exponentially. Like, not even, even before he joined Arsenal. You saw it in the Gold Cup in 2021, how his distribution started growing as he got more playing time. It was just really fun to see. I just want him at some point to get a move away because it's frustrating to see these American players make these big moves and just never play. And then when they do play, it's in bit part minutes, and then they're the face of the team sucking because of the fact they were on the field last and they're American. American players in Europe, American coaches in Europe, are automatically going to have that target on their back anyways. It's just a natural occurrence. Christian Pulisic is not one of the worst players at Chelsea. But on Twitter, for Chelsea fans, and you listen to like Rory Jennings on YouTube, a big Chelsea fan, you would think that Christian Pulisic is the worst thing of all time. You would think he was the Hitler of Chelsea. Like, this dude is a fantastic player. Was one of the best players off the pitch, on the pitch against England in the World Cup. And now he's going to AC Milan for like $14 million. It was a $60 million move to Chelsea. And now he's going to AC Milan. And now he's going to play as a number 10. He's not going to be coming off the bench. He's not going to be playing as a wing back. He's going to play in a position that he's comfortable with. And hopefully he gains some, you know, fitness consistency. That's the big thing there with Pulisic. You look at Weston McKinney. We talked about that at Leeds with them getting relegated. Weston McKinney having a big target on his back. Jesse Marsh, same thing. There were a lot of other problems at Leeds than the Americans, but that's the thing that you heard about the most. And maybe we're targeted towards that because we are American. Or, like, for social media purposes. Like, it's coming towards us because we live in the United States of America and stuff like that. But, still, they're not the reasons your teams are bad. Like, there are a lot of other worse players on your team, but they're going to get the ones that are pointed out the most. And it doesn't help that that idiot on freaking Pawn Stars said that Christian Pulisic was LeBron James of soccer. Up there with Messi and Ronaldo. Because that doesn't help the image that Europeans have of Americans watching soccer. It just does not help. The LeBron James of soccer, do you understand the the resonance that has with people? People know LeBron James as the best basketball player currently and possibly the greatest player of all time. Not for me, but for people out there. And Christian Pulisic, as much as I love him and as much as I'll defend him at club level, he is not anywhere near the best player in the world. He's nowhere near that. You can be a good player and not be the best player in the world. It's possible. He's nowhere near Kylian Mbappe, Erling Haaland, and players like that. Nowhere near that. Vinicius. He's not near that. Messi, Ronaldo. So that did not help. That clip went freaking viral, and I saw it all over YouTube on these different YouTube accounts that I watch. A lot of soccer-oriented pages, a lot of 
English pages. So that it just doesn't help. It doesn't help. But you see, like, Giovanni Reyna's played well with Borussia Dortmund. You see Yunus Musa, he's going to get a move to maybe Fulham, maybe AC Milan. He played over 100 games for Valencia. Florian Balogun's a 50-pound, 50 50-million-pound 50 signing, dream signing for AC Milan. So we can have Balogun, Pulisic, and Yunus Musa all playing for AC Milan. And they're all better than Agocian Yewu, so that would automatically improve our standing as Americans with AC Milan. And I love Christian Pulisic going to AC Milan because when I was a kid, like at these different soccer tournaments, you get they had like random souvenir tents, and I had two pins on my soccer bag that weren't like tournament pins. One was a Manchester United one, one was an AC Milan one. Because it was when like Ronaldinho was playing there, so everybody loved Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho was one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, it's easy to see why, but I was a Manchester United fan growing up as well. So I love the fact Christian Pulisic is leaving Chelsea, a team that I do not, I'm not very fond of. And going to AC Milan. I very much appreciate that. <laughs> it's very, very fun that that's happening. But, yeah, as for the United States as a whole, I'm excited to see what they do the rest of this tournament because they're playing Panama, a team that has knocked them out in the tournament before. Like, you look back at the 2015 Gold Cup, they knocked them out in the third, fourth place game. United States lost to Jamaica to get to the final, and they lost to Panama in the final. So they finished fourth, which is an utter failure for the United States in the Gold Cup because... As we've said numerous times about this tournament, this tournament is designed for the United States and Mexico to meet in the final. They're the two biggest nations in CONCACAF. They're the two best nations in CONCACAF in regards to soccer. Mexico has eight Cold Cup titles. The United States has seven. And how nice would it feel for the United States to not only beat Canada and Mexico here, but in the Nation League final as well. So you beat Canada in the Nation League final. You beat Canada in the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup. You beat Mexico in the semifinals for the Nations League. And then you beat Mexico in the final for the Gold Cup. That would be awesome. That would be freaking awesome. Now, for this game though, against Panama, there's a lot of things that you could possibly change, especially going forward. The wings are not great for the United States right now. For the national, for the A-team, the wings are one of the strong points. Tim Weah and Christian Pulisic are two of the, if not the best wingers in CONCACAF. And I know you're going to say Alfonso Davies doesn't really play as a winger for Canada. He plays more as a wing back. Sometimes he'll play on the wing, but we're not viewing him in that because he would be the best if we're labeling him as a winger. And you could say, like, Irving Lozano there as well, but no, it's Tim Way and Christian Pulisic. I'm going to take the two guys that are going to the two biggest clubs in Italy, in Juventus and AC Milan. So, yeah, so the wings have been a problem. Zendejas has been a MIA the entire tournament. I remember when they got him, that was like a massive coup getting him for Mexico. Like, he scores 11 goals for Club America, and he comes to the United States instead of Mexico. He's played games for Mexico, joins the United States. Everybody's super excited, and rightfully so. you got another winger. Like, Aronson's a very good winger as well. He can play as a mid, more natural midfielder, but he can play on the left wing as well. you got Taylor Booth. Giovanni Reyna can play on the wing. Like, you've got options for the A-team. I know I'm being a little early throwing Taylor Booth to straight into the fire of the A-team, but I feel like for the next World Cup, I feel like he'll be in the squad in some capacity. But we'll talk. That's That's another discussion for another time. But, like, you look at this Gold Cup, there's been no consistency from the wingers. The best times the United States have had it from the wingers is when they come on as subs, which makes things rather difficult when you're trying to name a starting lineup because Kate Cowell, when he got a chance to start against St. Kitts and Nevis, he did not play very good. He was probably the worst player on the pitch for the United States in that game. Nothing he did worked. And then you see the games against Jamaica, Trinidad, Tobago, and Canada, and he's one of the best players on the field when he's coming in as a sub. So who the hell do you start? Zendayas, again, has been MIA. 
for a player as talented as he is, one of the players that people are actually excited to be seen in the squad, a guy that was in the Nations League squad that just beat Canada and Mexico, he didn't play, but he was in the squad, so you feel like they'd have some sort of high standing with him, and he just hasn't been available. Like, I'm sure he's in his head a little bit, but he's just not been good. Like, Julian Gressel was a guy that I completely forgot was in the squad when we were doing the squad preview, and he's starting a quarterfinal game against one of your biggest rivals. Like, it's crazy. Jordan Morris gets hurt, but Jordan Morris, I'm not a massive fan of Jordan Morris. Christian, Christian Roldan, almost like Christian Pulisic, nowhere near. Christian Roldan, though he wears the same number for whatever reason, played on the left wing against freaking Trinidad Tobago. Like, there's been massive issues with the wingers for this Gold Cup. The rest of the roster, rest of the starting lineup has been relatively fine. The back line against Canada was not great, and that's everybody. I mean, apart from Matt Turner, but like, you look at Brian Reynolds didn't play great. Miles Robinson had two handballs. Jalen Neal looked super uncomfortable. Dewan Jones put Brian Reynolds in a bad spot when he almost scored the own goal, though Dewan Jones did have a beautiful assist to Brandon Vasquez for the first goal of the game. Though the United States completely shot off before Miles Robinson got a second handball. The first one didn't count, though, because Gianluca Busio got fouled. The midfield three, James Sands, Gianluca Busio, and Jordi Mihailovic has been very solid. Mihailovic has been... I would say a little bit more wasteful in the pre- last two games rather than what he did against St. Kitsanevis where he had two goals and two assists where he got put in the team of the tournament in regards to the, the opening round of the tournament. But I don't see him losing his spot. He could, potentially, if the United States wants to switch it up a little bit and like play Ferreira back there because they dropped him back to an eight position against Canada. Sorry. Which completely threw him out of the game. Completely messed up the entire system and completely just isolated him to where I forgot he was on the field. I completely forgot I was on the field. And we'll get to Jesus Ferrer again in a little bit. And then you had Ferrer up top, and that's not what I was trying to do there. But you bring in Brandon Vasquez in there, and Brandon Vasquez scores a goal. He has three goals in this tournament, all have come post-80th minute. Like He's like the Matthew Hoppy of this year's tournament. But I think Brandon Vasquez deserves to start. When you have the questions marks around the wingers, I would start Brandon Vasquez, move Jesus Ferrer probably out to the right. That left wing spot, I have no idea what you want to do. Chris Roldan might very well start there. Depends on Jordan Morris' health as well. But Kate Cowell, he's the best left winger they have. But I don't see him starting giving how he's played as a sub so far this tournament, if that makes sense. I think if Jordan Morris is healthy, he'll start. If not, because Jordan Morris only came in an extra time. He didn't even come in late in the early in the game. Like He came in super late. Super, super late. And so we'll see if that changes anything there. I don't know if Zendaya starts this game. I'm kind of done was Zendaya starting, at least in this Gold Cup, and try until he gets some confidence back. I don't know what his future holds, because if this Gold Cup's anything to go off of, I I struggle to find his spot within the national team, especially when Taylor Booth starts really kicking off. Because Taylor Booth was linked to Manchester United. He was a great player for Utrecht this season. Like, Taylor Booth will kick off. Kane Cowell will only grow in confidence. So... There's going to be some issues around there regarding his future. And then, again, you got Brandon Aronson, Giovanni Reno who both play on the wings as well. But for Jesus Ferreira, going back to that, I am a little, like, conflicted when it comes to Jesus Ferreira. And not in the, the way of, like, I love this dude a lot. I don't really care for Jesus Ferreira all that much. I said this before the World Cup. I don't think he's a striker. I think he's a number 10. And when you play 42 crosses into the box like he did against Canada and you have a 5'8 striker, that is not really a recipe for success. If you're going to do that and you have a set-piece specialist like Julian Gressel starting, you have to play Brandon Vasquez earlier. The whole point of having your set-piece specialist is to have target guys. And Brandon Vasquez coming into the 60-something 70th minute 
is not a recipe for success. It ended up working, but for the long term against Panama, a team that loves to cross the ball, it's going to be a little bit of an issue there. But Jesus Ferreira, I think, is fine. But I think that the discourse around Ferreira is like, you either love him or you hate him. He's like the New York Yankees, it feels like, on social media. Where if you don't like this guy, you really don't like this guy. And if you like this guy, you really like this guy. You're like Alexi Lalas or you're some like random YouTube channel for that follows the United States. Not, I'm not saying mine. I'm not trying to plug that there. But if you want to, you can go check it out there. I think Ferreira is just a really mid-striker. I think he's fine. I think he's got very quick, quick IQ. I think he's very smart. But... I do not think that he, at this point in time, and he's only 22. I think a lot of people seem to forget that. He's only 22. And I think the problem is, is that he's scoring so much against teams that he should be scoring against. But then again, there's not not everybody's putting these chances away. The But the issue arises, not that he's scoring those goals. It's that when you play these bigger teams, he just completely disappears. So right now, he has 14 goals for the United States. Against Caribbean countries, he has 12 goals. Against non-Caribbean countries, he has two. Like, he completely disappears in these games. So the discourse around Jesus Ferreira being in the conversation for the number one striker, I think, is a little crazy. I think he deserves a little bit more respect than what a lot of people on social media give him credit for. Because I do think he's solid. I don't think, like, I've seen some people put him as, like, the 15th best striker. I think, okay, you're just trying to start something there. Like, I think he's a solid striker. If he's not number three, he's number four. I don't think he's challenging the likes of Balogun or Pepe. But I think you could challenge him with Sargent at this point in time. I think Sargent, and it's this is recently biased because of the fact I've seen him play recently. Josh Sargent's going to get a lot of minutes for Norwich. Timo Pukki just transferred to Minnesota United. So Josh Sargent's going to get a shit ton of playing time for Norwich City. And you saw what he did on the wing last season before the 2022 World Cup. And he played well at the World Cup versus Jesus Ferreira, who got subbed off at 45 minutes against the Netherlands. Anonymous against those big opponents. He's just anonymous. And that's my big issue with him. I think he's a fine striker. I think he gets a lot more hate than he deserves. But I definitely don't think you should be putting him up there with the likes of Balogun, who just scored 20 goals and was a top 10 goal scorer in all of Europe this past season. I don't think you can say that at all. I don't think they're anywhere close to each other, if I'm being 100% honest with you. I really don't think he's close to Pepe at this point in time. I think you would talk about him and Sargent, and you would talk throwing like Haji Wright in there, Brandon Vasquez. I think people rate Vasquez a lot higher. Like The discourse around Vasquez is like he's this great striker too. I think Vasquez is fine. But it's not like we see these goals late in the games, but you saw the game against St. Kitsanevis where he missed a lot of chances in that game. Do I think he's better than Ferreira at this point in time? No. Do I think he can be? And if if we're looking at Greg Berhalter's system as a whole, he fits it better than Jesus Ferreira, just given his size. Ferreira being 5'8 does not fit Greg Berhalter's system, but yet they keep throwing him in there. I think it's kind of insane to keep doing that, but I don't think you should drop him completely back as an 8, because again, that took him completely out, and I forgot he was there. As a 10, I think he'd work there, but I don't think Greg Berhalter will do that. I think in a perfect world, Giovanni Reyna starts at the 10, and then we've got uh, Jesus Ferreira as his backup. I think that's the perfect situation right there. And then on the wings, you got Pulisic and Aronson on the left, you got Weah and Booth on the right, you got Balogun and Pepe up top, you got the likes of freaking... De La, uh, De La Torre, Musa, McKinney, Adams in midfield. You got Dest 
and freaking Scally at right back, or if you even want to throw in like Brian Reynolds back there, move Scally to left back. You've got center backs like Chris Richards. You've got Austin Trusty. You've got Cameron Carter Vickers. You've got Mark McKenzie. You've got Tim Ream. Like you've got center backs there, Miles Robinson before this tournament. Jalen Neal's expo- uh, kind of turned up this tournament until the last game. Then left back, you got Antti Robinson, Scally. We brought him up earlier. Dewan Jones has played decently this tournament. You could put him in there. Net, you got Matt Turner. You've got Ethan Horvath, Stefan, Slonina. Like, you've got options there. I like that system more than this 4-3-3 where we're isolating players like Reyna and Pep and, uh, and Sar- ah, geez, and Ferreira who are not ever playing in their – what I would – and again, I'm not the national team coach, and my opinion really matters little to this – but not playing in their quote-unquote natural positions. Maybe Ferreira loves playing as a striker. Maybe he views himself as a striker. I don't care. I don't care. In this system, he does not work as a striker. And he'll get the odd chance, and he'll take advantage of that when he plays against these smaller teams. But having as a depth piece, I think is nice. Him as the number one guy, I don't like at all. But I do think he gets a lot more hate. I need to see him go over to Europe at some point. But as Reggie Cannon said on a recent interview, Greg Berhalter has no issue playing MLS, guys. I think there's too much familiarity and uh, security in the MLS that I think players are afraid to get tested abroad. Jordan Morris tore his ACL in Swansea, went straight back to Seattle, probably never going to go to Europe again. There's too much safety there. And we saw Landon Donovan talking about freaking Christian Pulisic go go back to the MLS. That's freaking stupid. He's going to AC Milan. He's not failing in Europe and then tucking his tail between his legs going to the MLS and absolutely tearing it up in the MLS. And I don't want to discredit Landon Donovan for what he did in the MLS or what he did for the national team. But no, do not go to the MLS, especially this early. Do n- No, do not. I would recommend all players for the national team to go abroad. I don't think the development here in this country is to that standard where we can, can actually compete with the top teams in Europe. Or even in South America, I don't think we have We don't have that infrastructure yet. It's just not happened yet because it's relatively young in the United States. In regards to its uh, national popularity, soccer in the United States has been around for a very long time, obviously. But in regards to where people are choosing as their number one sport now, that's more of a recent thing. That was more of a recent thing. You talked to like people my parents' age, there were not a lot of people that viewed soccer as their number one sport. And there's a lot more people that are doing that now. So it's a new thing that we're getting these top guys over here. I think Lionel Messi coming over, who's supposed to be unveiled on the 16th of July, which would be very cool to see. He's supposed to be potentially playing on the 21st of July. That'll be big. Hosting the World Cup in 2026 will be big. Like, There's a lot of things that will definitely help grow the sport of soccer. Copa America, being in the United States next year, will be big. Like, There's a lot of different things that can definitely help grow the sport. But right now, I think the best players in MLS need to go test themselves. The familiarity, the security... That's all fine and dandy, but when you try to be a number, a top national team like you think you are, and like we're the United States, we're America, we're the best at everything, you have to test yourself and you have to be humble a little bit and go, hey, we don't, we are not getting the proper coaching here. It's no coincidence that the best players in this national team all play abroad. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. Every starter that I named in that last starting lineup that we just did all play abroad. Every single one of them. We got Balligan. We got Reyna. We got Pulisic. We got Wea, We got McKinney. We got Musa. Dest, Richards, Tim Reamer, Trusty, Robinson, Turner. All 11 of those guys, 12 guys that we mentioned, all play in Europe. Ricardo Pepe plays in Europe. 
Tyler Adams plays in Europe. Brandon Aronson plays in Europe. And we can just keep Joe Scaley plays in Europe. Taylor Booth plays in Europe. Luca De La Torre plays in Europe. Ethan Horvath plays in Europe. All those players we mentioned play in Europe. In that team that we made, that would be my best case scenario team, out of every player we mentioned, only one of them currently plays the MLS. And that's Jesus Ferreira. Only one of them. Every player we mentioned in that time in that team, apart from like we mentioned Miles Robinson and Jalen Neal, we mentioned them, but they weren't in the initial four for the starting center back spots. So you've got potentially three players in the MLS that I would consider in the conversation for being one of the top players for this national team that I would bring to a tournament. Three to four. That's it. Out of a 23-man squad, that's pretty sad. And that's just the facts. I love the MLS. I love that it's growing. I watch the MLS. I'm a big Sporting Kansas City fan. I watched the MLS when I was a kid, when David Beckham, again, these big European players coming over helps grow the league. I had a David Beckham LA Galaxy jersey when I was in fifth grade. I watched Freddie Adu. Like, there were things that, like, these players coming over are big. These young players are big, but they need to get tested. If you really think you're a top national team, test yourself. Ferreira, go to Europe. I dare you. I know there's familiarity in Texas. Your dad played for FC Dallas. You came up through their youth system. Test yourself. Pepe didn't work out right away when he first moved to Europe to Augsburg. Went to Groningen, pulled out, and then went over to PSV. Like, there's options. There's options over there. So I want to see them test themselves. That's all I ask. Even Gianluca Busio went over to Venezia. Some of these players, Jordi Mihailovic, went over to Europe. Kay Cal is probably going to move over to Europe at some point. Brian Reynolds went over to Europe. Like a lot of these players, <laughs> James Sands, whatever you prefer, failed. But he, he's not, I would not consider him like in the A-team squad. But he's a solid Gold Cup player. Solid Gold Cup player. But yeah, Brandon Vasquez is probably going to move to Europe. He's been in links with Borussia Mönchengladbach. So, yeah. That's my big thing on the United States. I'm tired of seeing the discourse around Ferreira. I think he's fine. I don't think he's amazing. I don't think he sucks. There's got to be some middle ground with Jesus Ferreira. There, it doesn't need to be halfway. The, I can understand the frustration for a lot of people hearing Alexi Lalas. Uh, what, what, I don't want to say anything too derogatory here, but <laughs> but you know what? I think you can try to like infer what I'm trying to say here. But I understand why people get frustrated by that when it regards to Jesus Ferreira. But you know, we can only see what happens when he goes abroad. And with that being said. Go watch the United States Men's National Team preview that we have against Panama. We have that on the YouTube channel now. You can go to the Logan Blackman Show YouTube channel. Check that out on there. But we mentioned going to Europe with some of these players going to test themselves. Last week, last Monday, so July 3rd. I shouldn't say last Monday. Last Monday was the freaking 10th. The 3rd of July, so the day before the 4th, I had a bond. I went over to a bonfire with Bra- to Brady's house to go to a bonfire. I picked up my friend Tom, who we brought up on the show before, and his mom and sisters went over to Europe. They had a nice, I think it was a cruise. They might have went on a cruise over there. But they went to Italy. And one of the things they picked up in Italy were these soccer cards. Like trading, I got four packs of Italian soccer cards. I've opened one pack before. I opened the one pack with Tom that day. And I had like the only player I can really remember off the top of my head. I don't have the cards with me. They're in the kitchen. was Moise Keane from Juventus. 
Italian national team player, plays for Juventus, was on loan from Everton. But yeah, I'm intrigued to see what kind of players we get here. Because I, I really, I, I knew they did this over in Europe, but I just have a different, like, it just feels weird to open cards and they're soccer players and not football players or baseball players. I collect football cards. I haven't bought any new football cards in a while, but I've, I've got a decent amount of football cards thanks to my uncle. My uncle's got the number one Deion Sanders card collection in the world, or at least the United States, which I would guess that's also the world as well. But uh, here we go. I opened up the first pack, and um, these cards have been sitting for a little bit. They've been all the way. They've been all the. These are all the way from Europe, all the way from Europe. Come on. Okay, we got Marco Sporatello. He looks like a goalie for Atalanta. Christian Giacher from Monza, Denmark player. Ah, Nicolo Zaniolo. He, he got his Roma card still here. This dude was supposed to be like really good. And he's a solid player. Solid player. Got loaned out to Galatasaray. We'll see if he gets a permanent move there. But solid player. Plays as a, a false nine position mostly. A big dude. Six foot three or around there. Maybe I'm maybe I'm exaggerating, but I think he's like six foot three. But yeah, that's a solid one. Oh, we got an AC Milan badge and a Torino badge. Nice. We got Matteo Darmian. <laughs> I remember when they got him. Manchester United got him. That was so funny when they got him. But AC Milan, it makes sense that we got an AC Milan badge. We were talking about AC Milan earlier. Makes sense that we got that. So that's the first pack. Only Nicolio Zaniolo, or Nicolo Zaniolo, sorry, is the only one worth there apart from, like, the badges and stuff. Second pack. Open it up. I hope you can hear me opening these packs. All right, we got Kevin Agadello. Not Juan Agadello. Kevin Agadello plays for Spezia. We've got Christian Bistrovich. Bistrovich. Oh, Paulo Dybala. There we go. That's the best card. That's the best card so far. I wanted him to come to Manchester United so many years ago. When he was first leaving Parma to go to Juventus, I wanted him at Manchester United so bad. But he could still come to Manchester United. Who the hell knows? I probably I saw him linked with Chelsea, but we'll see if that happens. Serial uh, Dret Dessers. It's an elite card, but I don't know who the hell that is. Wojciech Szczesny. There we go. There we go. Juventus number one. I just remember from Arsenal. I know well, I remember from Juventus, but over at Arsenal. Supposed to be great at Arsenal. Never had, had his moments at Arsenal. Had his moments. I think that's the best way I can describe him at Arsenal. But, but become a very solid keeper for Juventus. Very solid keepers. That's a solid card there. Next pack. We open this one up. Oh, we've got another one. Uh, Dragakowski. Oh, this guy played for a uh, friggin' Fiorentina. I didn't know he was at Spezia now. Goalkeeper. We got some badge pack as well. We got teams I've never heard of. Oh, uh, Christoph Piatic. Christoph Piatic was supposed to be really good, too. He was supposed to be really good. That's a solid get. That's a solid get. No, nowhere near the levels of the other ones, but he's a solid get. Plays for Juventus. But it's a Torino card. Or no. What card is that? I don't remember what card that is. I don't remember what team that is. Uh, Guagalino Vicario. Oh, Simone Exaghi. Okay, manager for Inter Milan. So we'll put we'll put that one over there. And then the final pack. So we've really only got like five cards that are actually like, you know, fun. Then final one. Let's see if we got anything good in here. Did I get all of them out? No, not yet. Okay, so last one here. Matteo Bianchetti. No. Uh, Nico Nicola Moro from Croatia. Plays for Bologna. No. Uh, Kevin Lasagna. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of him. I've heard of, couldn't tell you a lot about him, but I've heard of Kevin Lasagna. It's not just because his name's Lasagna. I have heard of him. We can put that in like the middle section. 
Uh, Luca Calidoria. Uh, Caldirola. No. Messimiliano Alvini. Alvini. No. And then, yeah. Okay, so we got, like, a grand total of one, two, three, four, five. We got five good cards out of four packs. Now, there wasn't a lot of cards per pack, but Simone Inzaghi, Christoph Piatek, Wojciech Szczesny, Paolo Dybala, and Nicolo Zaniolo. Those decent cards. Decent cards. And then we've got, like, lasagna that could be mentioned in there as well. We got the AC Milan badge. We'll put that with the, the cool cards. I like Torino's badge as well, so we'll put Torino in there as well. But, yeah, I remember when Matteo Darmian first came to Manchester United, and he played that first game. He was like, oh, they got a lockdown. It's right back right now. And then uh, started the Champions League final against uh, against Manchester City for Simone Inzaghi's Inter Milan. But that game was so weird. So many Manchester United players on there. You had Matteo Darmian. You had <laughs> Henrik Mkhitaryan and Romelu Lukaku. And now Andre Onana is going to be making the move over there soon. Seven DeVry. He was linked with Manchester United after the 2014 World Cup. Never actually made the move there, as were a bunch of those Dutch players there. You got, like, Memphis Depay ended up coming over there. Daly Blind. Loved Daly Blind in his time at Manchester United. Uh, Bruno Martins Indy. Jordi Classy was linked forever to Manchester United. Wesley Schneider. Obviously, that dude was linked for every freaking year to Manchester United. He's the one that I really wish came to Manchester United. He was always at, he was at Galatasaray. I always wanted him at Manchester United. Who else was there? Kevin Strootman. He was always linked to Manchester United. Uh, was there anybody else really linked to Manchester United? I think I'm forgetting, like, two play. They played a back three. They didn't Ron Vlar. Oh, Jasper Sillison. He was linked to Manchester United when Louis van Gaal was there. But, yeah, those are the cards we got. I, I, five cards. Solid. Solid enough cards, I guess you could say. But, man, I think that's a, a good thing. Let's play some footy tic-tac-toe. Let's play a couple rounds of footy tic-tac-toe. It's always fun. This is always fun. I want to play some footy tic-tac-toe. I want to play some random dude. We're going to play like two games of this. Two games of this. So I'm up first. We got top row Porto, Bayern, Barcelona. On the side, we got Lazio, Serbia, and Inter Milan. We are going to start off with Lazio, Barcelona. We're going to go Pedro. It's an easy one to start off with. Problem is, I don't know any Serbian Bayern Munich players at the top of my head anyways. Internal on Barcelona. We got Ronaldo. Oh, he left. Or they. Or she. I don't know. But uh, this one, new game. We got Atletico Madrid, Juventus, and Manchester City on the top. On the side, we got Serbia again. Uh, Benfica and Denmark. Okay. This person's already requested a, a draw. We are not going to give in. We're going to go Kolarov for Manchester City on the top right corner. Serbia and Manchester City. Then we can go Ederson. For Sir uh, Benfica and Manchester City, and then we got Casper Schmeichel or Peter Schmeichel for Denmark, Manchester City. Both of them work there. No steals, no steals either. So it's just straight go on. Serbia, Juventus. I mean, who would be Serbia, Juventus? I can't. It doesn't matter. I'll just go Ederson. Makes the most sense. We got Ederson in net. So we got Ederson there. We need one more spot. They haven't really done a whole lot here. I don't know why they're playing, so we got Schmeichel for City and we'll go Casper. So, yeah, that was a pretty easy one. They requested to end the game. Why did they even start playing the game if they were just going to end it right at the start? Or request to end And why did they just leave? This one, Serbia's here again. So, on the side, we got Serbia, Portugal, Porto. On the top, we got Arsenal, Bayern Munich, and Juventus. Oh, Dusan Vlahovic. Yeah, okay, that one makes sense. Portugal and uh, uh, Bayern Munich, Renato Sanchez. I think it's a nice one there. He'll probably go Cristiano Ronaldo next. Juventus, Portugal. 
would be my guess anyways. That's the easiest one out of the rest of them. Or you could block me as well. Granted, I'd block you back, but that'd be your easy one. Be a guaranteed one. But knowing how this person is working so far this game, I don't think they're really understanding what they're doing here. I go Arsenal-Portugal. Fairly easy one, like Fabio Vieira. I'd be the one there. Cedric Suarez was also there. there. Cristiano Ronaldo. Wow, it took you long enough. Uh, Alexandro for Juventus and Porto. And then they'll block me with Serbia and Arsenal. Who can I think of as Serbian Arsenal? Alexander Kleb was not Serbian. Matic didn't play for Serbia. Milinkovic Savic is not going there. Kolarov didn't play there. Mitrovic didn't play there. They requested a draw. If I can't think of any, but well, I got James Rodriguez for Bar Bayern Munich and Porto. Arsenal, Porto, Fabio Vieira still works. Yeah, okay, we're good there. Thomas Rodriguez, I kind of forget he played for Bayern Munich. So, Fabio Vieira, that'll work for... There, we got two. We got two. Let's see how far we can go with this. Let's see how far we... Okay, Croatia's there now. So, we got Croatia, Benfica, and Uruguay on the side. We got Porto, Liverpool, and Atletico Madrid on the top. Uh, we'll go Porto... Or Porto. We'll go Benfica, Liverpool. We'll go uh, Darwin Nunes. Get it right in the middle. Start off right in the middle. Trying to think of other ones. Atletico Madrid, Porto, and Benfica. Nicholas Otamendi works there. Benfica and Atletico Madrid. Benfica, Atletico Madrid. Uh, Jao Felix. But Uruguay. Uruguay, Porto. Did Sebastian Cuates play there? I don't think so. Fernando Morslera didn't. Diego Forlan, I don't think, did. Do I just call their bluff and go like Zhao Felix? For, I'm going to call their bluff. I'm going to call their bluff. They don't know any Uruguay Porto players. I'm going to be really upset if any of the players I just said played for Porto. They I called their bluff. Good on me. Good on me. Nicolas Otamendi. Called their freaking bluff. Knew they didn't know anybody Porto and Uruguay. Let's go. So we're up 3 nothing. Okay, let's see how far we can go. This one is on top row Arsenal, Real Madrid, and Chelsea. Fairly big clubs. So we got Manchester City, Uruguay, and Italia on the side. We'll go Real Madrid, Uruguay. We'll start off with Ernesto Valverde. Oh, no, not Ernesto Valverde. Federico Valverde. Oh, God. Okay, well, we'll put Federico Valverde in there now. He didn't go in the middle for whatever reason. He went down to the very bottom. He went into Antonio Cassano. Why would you do that first? Makes no sense. No sense. You just go in the corner and you win. If you know any Italian, Arsenal, and Chelsea players, it's the same dude as Jorginho. Like, it's fairly easy to get this. They went Man City first. That That's not the route I would have gone. That's not the route I would have gone. Man City, uh, Arsenal will go Gail Clichy. Go Gail Clichy. I don't know why that was the route they went. I have no idea what route that was. It's an odd one. I guess it would have been the same throughout, but Chelsea, Italia, they could, they put Jorginho. I'll put Jorginho on the <laughs> Arsenal one as well. Why not? Is there any other Italians I can think of that played for Arsenal? Not really. So I'm glad Jorginho's played for both. And then Uruguay, Arsenal. Uruguay, Arsenal. Ooh, Uruguay, Arsenal. It's not even my turn yet, but I got to think ahead a little bit. Uruguay and Arsenal. 
Uruguayan Arsenal. Like Suarez didn't play there. I'm trying to think of like their A team back then. Moslera didn't play there. Florland didn't play there. Do they have any Uruguayan players play for Arsenal? Is that a thing? It's my turn now. I might request a draw because I can't think of anybody. Uruguay Chelsea. I mean, I could block them. Uruguay Chelsea. Uruguay and Chelsea. I'm completely blanking right now. I'm absolutely blanking right now. Uruguay Chelsea, Uruguay Arsenal. There's nobody popping in my head right now. I might just either have to accept defeat or request a draw. Because if I request a draw, that would give me the first turn of the next one. So I'm going to request a draw. And hopefully they don't know any Uruguay and Chelsea players. Because I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. And there's probably some that I'm like completely spacing off of. But we both had opportunities to win. I can't think of any Uruguay Arsenal players. Okay, this one we got Arsenal, Liverpool, Ajax on the top. France, Chelsea, PSG on the side. We'll start off with... Chelsea, Liverpool will go uh, Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling in the middle. You got a lot of players that play for Chelsea and Liverpool. You got like Fernando Torres. You got Daniel Sturridge, Raul Morales. You got a lot of players that have played there. And that's just the ones that just came up first. But Arsenal, France, that one's easy. This is an easy one. They put Giroud. Not freaking Patrick Vieira or Thierry Henry. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll go Liverpool, France. We'll go Kanate. Gucanate for France and Liverpool. And then we have got, it'll probably go PSG Liverpool, which Jorginho Wijnaldum is the obvious one. I can't think of any of the other ones on the top of my head. Yeah, they went Wijnaldum. And then I will go with, so they'll block me there. Okay, I'll go here. Chelsea Arsenal. Chelsea Arsenal. Uh, We'll go Giroud. Might as well. So that way, I block them, and I'll try to go with a corner. So we'll see how this... It's not going to work. This plan sucks. I don't know why I did this plan. But I'm going diagonal, I guess. Chelsea, Ajax, and Hakim Ziyech. Yeah, this is a dumb plan. I don't know why I did this plan. I kind of soiled it. Uh, David Luiz. Or which one would be harder? France, Ajax? Okay, we'll go David Luiz. I think France, Ajax would be harder than Chelsea... PSG or Arsenal PSG. Ajax France though. Now I'm starting to think about it. Ajax in France. Is there any big names that I'm completely forgetting about? Like Sebastian Heller is not French anymore. He plays for the Ivory Coast. He would have been the one I would put, but he plays for the Ivory Coast. I feel like Morgan Schneiderlin played there. <laughs> Bertrand Traore plays for Bakiro Faso. David Neres plays for Brazil. I'm just trying to, like, rattle through it. Any random player. Benjamin Pavard? No. I doubt it. Any goalies? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Griezmann didn't play there. Giroud didn't play there. Mbappe didn't play there. Matuidi didn't play there. Dembele's Belgian. <laughs> I, I withdrew anyways. I, I ran out of time. I couldn't think of anybody. I, that was a stupid plan. Why did I do that? Why did I do that plan? Ugh, I'm really stupid. I should have gone on the other side. But I, I guess I don't know any French Ajax players since Sebastian Allaire is not. Okay, he's requested in the game. 
end the game. I want to see if I can get to five. I'm on a nice little streak right now. So we got Porto, Bayern Munich, Liverpool on the top. We got Serbia, Barcelona, and France on the side. Serbia has been a constant figure in this. Serbia has been a very constant figure. Barcelona's a fairly easy team. Everybody's played for Barcelona. Everybody wants to play for Barcelona. Bayern Munich, same thing. Liverpool, same thing. French, there's a lot of really good French players. Kingsley Coman was the first one he thought of. Okay, Bayern Munich and Barcelona will go Philippe Coutinho. I think it's a fairly simple one. Went on loan there. So we got Philippe Coutinho in the middle. He's got Kingsley Coman on the very bottom row in the middle. He went Ibrahima Kanate. France and Porto's Iliquim Mengala. Play for Manchester City and Porto. Manchester United were linked with him too. Went Philippe Coutinho and I, okay. Serbia, um, Marco Grujic. Okay, that was easy. He just let me win. That was very easy. <laughs> I thought he'd at least try to block me. Man, good lord. So our 4 nothing. This will be the last one if we win. We got Barcelona, Chelsea, Benfica on the top. Arsenal, Croatia, and Marseille on the bottom. Um, I mean, he's requested a draw already. We'll go with... I don't know. We'll start off with Barcelona. Bar Barcelona. Arsenal and Barcelona will go Alexis Sanchez. Well, at least try. Like, this isn't fun. We'll go Alexis Sanchez at the top. I loved Alexis Sanchez when he was at Barcelona. Not really when he was at Manchester United. It was very fun to watch at Arsenal, too. And he left. Okay, so that's a good way to end it. That's a good way to end uh, a <laughs> footy tic-tac-toe. Goodness gracious. Won 4 nothing. Should have won 5 nothing. And then at Chelsea Arsenal, just for fun, we have David Luiz. And then it was Arsenal and Benfica. We have any Benfica players I can think of that play for Arsenal off the top of my head? Nope. Doesn't matter anyways, though. Because Fabio Vieira was the first one to pop my head, but he played for Porto. We already discussed that one earlier. But, man, a lot of top players are always mentioning that. I always think it's fun to mention that. And, the like, footy tic-tac-toe always tests your ball knowledge. You got to always, like, re refreshing yourself on your ball knowledge is always important. It's always important. Make sure your top dog, if you host a super famous podcast like I do, you've got to make sure that you're up to date on everything. And though you host a podcast or you host a show, Though you may be smarter in knowing players to teams, does not mean you know how to rank said players to teams. And I saw a tier list the other day. I saw a tier list the other day. I actually saw this last week. I said the other day. And, um, yeah, it was an odd one. For the moment, I wanted to talk about this with Brady, but we ran out of time. But this one I saw on Twitter, CBS Sports, which we've talked about before. CBS Sports always, always has interesting tier lists. Always has interest. Tier list, drafts, like, we talk about this with the NFL draft mostly. They crap out NFL drafts like every freaking day. Every day. And it's like, dude, are you just trying to throw shit at a wall and hope it sticks? Like, who the hell is thinking Charles Cross is going to go first overall? Nobody did until I saw CBS Sports do it. No one did. I saw, like, there was one list that saw, like, like a player listed in the first round that was their 300th ranked player. It's like, what the hell are you doing? And they just post them every freaking day. So mock draft season is insanely annoying when you see a CBS Sports one because it's just going to keep popping up, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. So I saw this one. It was Will Brinson posted it, and this tier list is, like, there's some fine portions of it. He tiered every single quarterback in the NFL, and we're not going to do this today. I might do this with Brady's next on. But 
the tiers are there. Okay, let's just go through it. So tier one, I think it's fairly simple. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, fairly simple. Like Mahomes and Allen, if they both get 35 passing touchdowns this year, they're going to be the only quarterbacks in NFL history have done that four straight seasons. Like I know it's kind of cool to hate on Josh Allen nowadays for whatever reason, but you're an idiot if you think he's anything less than, I would even say second best, but if we're going to be non-extremely biased here, go third, I think he's better than Burrow. If Josh Allen had more passing touchdowns in one postseason than Burrow's had his entire career in the postseason, but Burrow's gone to a Super Bowl. So that kind of, you know, weighs a little bit heavier there. But we'll, you know, I'll accept that for now. But those they're the top three quarterbacks in the NFL undisputed. Tier two, I don't know if each tier's in order. So I don't know if it goes Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, and then tier two, Herbert, Lamar, Trevor Lawrence, and Jalen Hurts. So I don't know if Jalen Hurts is... Will Brinson's seventh best quarterback in the NFL, or it's just like the order he thought of them, like which could also be the same thing. But I I don't know how that works. I feel like it's a little bit harsh for Jalen to be anywhere outside the top five since he just finished second in the MVP race and had the MVP performance in the Super Bowl, even though he was on the losing team. He played better than Patrick Mahomes. We said that during the Super Bowl. We said that after the Super Bowl. We're going to continue saying it. it he should have realistically been, I understand why they didn't do it, but he should have realistically been the second ever Super Bowl MVP to be on the losing team. That should have been Jalen Hurts. Every other quarterback on there I'm fine with, for the most part. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, fine. Herbert, fine. Lamar Jackson, fine. Healthy Lamar Jackson, yeah. There's things he can do in the NFL that no one else can do. There, there, I'll take the inconsistencies of the passer when you could do one thing that no one else can do, and that is be the most electrifying player on the field at all times. And I hate the argument that he's injury-prone because he's run so much. All of his injuries have been in the pocket. Every single one of his injuries have been in the pocket. Not one of his major injuries have been on the run. Like, it's down the field. Like, I have seen this dude turn a 17-yard sack into a 50-yard touchdown, running the ball against the Tennessee Titans. He can do things that no one else can do. So I will take the inconsistency as a passer if I can get that elite, above elite rushing ability. Tier 3 is uh, Rodgers, Matt Stafford, Tua, Justin Fields, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson. Okay, the obvious one's Daniel Jones, obviously. I have no issue with Daniel. We've defended Daniel Jones quite a bit on this show. A lot on this show. But I'm not going to let my defense of Daniel Jones turn that into, I think he is a top what? So we got, and this is if he's going in order. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Top 12 quarterback in the NFL. I'm not going to do that. I don't think he's a top 15 quarterback. I think a, a lot of it is riding off that game against the Vikings, and I've made fun of my Vikings friends because of that, because I think he got paid off that game, really. And I think that um, – oh, crap. Who's their old defense coordinator? I'm completely blanking on his name. The Vikings defense coordinator before was Brian Flores. Yeah, and Justin Fields, I like that he's up there, because I think he will be up there, especially with D.J. Moore coming in. And another year with this coaching staff and this offense. So, yeah, they're just letting him be him. And I think that's important with today's NFL. You just got to let the quarterback be him. You can't try to turn him into somebody he's not. That's not how that works. Like, that's why I hate the term system quarterback. The system only works if you got the right quarterback. So the quarterback is the system. The system only works with said quarterback. Like, Justin Fields being a pocket passer is not going to work. But you saw what he did last year as a runner was insane. He almost broke the NFL's all-time single-season rushing record. And he will grow as a passer. He is a good passer. Look at his stuff he did at Ohio State. He is a good passer. Let's not get that twisted. Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, I think, generally, are top 15 quarterbacks. But based off of last year, I find it very hard to rank up that highly. And then you got Tier 4. 
Jared Goff, Dak in Tier 4, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Dak needs to be higher. Goff probably needs to be higher. Like, if I'm looking at the last three quarterbacks on Tier 3 with Jones, Watson, and Russell Wilson, I think this is great. You go back like three or four years ago and to say Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson are worse quarterbacks, arguably, than Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, and Kirk Cousins, I'd, I'd, you would look at me kind of crazy. But I, I would rank Dak Prescott higher than Tier 4. I don't think Dak Prescott's an amazing quarterback. I don't really think he's that, that great, but he's definitely better than Tier 4. I think he's got to separate a little bit. But Tannehill, Carr, Garoppolo, yeah, I think they're all around a similar-ish tier. And Tannehill might get bent. Who the hell knows? I did see Malik Willis is out playing Will Levis, but they spent a second-round pick on Will Levis, so Malik Willis probably going to get cut, which is a sad thing. I hope he goes to Detroit. I hope Will Levis goes to Detroit. Or Will Levis. Uh, Malik Willis goes to Detroit. Got a fly running around here. Trying to kill it while we're doing the show. Uh, tier 5, we've got Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, and Brock Purdy. I do agree it's early to throw Brock Purdy up. I'm glad him and Pickett are on the same level. I am glad him and Pickett are on the same level because I do really like Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett was thrown into a lot worse situation than that of Brock Purdy. You look at Kenny Pickett's offensive line, just first and foremost, terrible. Terrible offensive line. And you look at the run game that they have, Najee Harris is a great running back, but you can't really do a whole lot when you have a trash-ass offensive line that hasn't been repaired in two years. James Daniel was fine, good player at guard, but... Apart from that, you had no safety at the ta- on the offensive line. You have good, uh, solid weapons on the outside. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. Like you've got solid options there. Good running back again, but you need to build the offensive line first. I think Kenny Pickett will have a lot of success this year because I saw the game against the Bills when the Steelers got absolutely blown out. Kenny Pickett doesn't let the game get to him, and I think that's important. And Purdy, it's hard not to say how good he did from the past season. I mean, he was a rookie of the year candidate, and rightfully so, though I think he was the one of the lower tiers on one of the more quote unquote important piece on the team. But I think his performance last season can't go unnoticed. I think it's going to be interesting to see how him and Trey Lance battle this off season, because a lot of people look like Brock Purdy guaranteed starter. I think he deserves to be the front runner right now, but Trey Lance is, and this is, i say this all the time. There's a difference between talent and actually being good. Trey Lance is more talented than, than Brock Purdy. That's undisputable. Like he's bigger than Brock Purdy. He's got a stronger arm than Brock Purdy. He's faster than Brock Purdy. But, but, Kyle Shanahan doesn't need a quarterback to be all that. Kyle Shanahan just needs a quarterback to do what he's told, and Brock Purdy can do that. Brock Purdy at Iowa State forced the ball way too much. He's not doing it in the NFL because he's got Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey around with Trent Williams blocking his blind side. He's got Brandon Ayuk there as well. He's got one of the best groups of weapons in the NFL, and he's in his second year in the NFL. Like, he's going to be fine. And then, Mac Jones, and that's if he beats out Trey Lance. We'll have to wait and see on that, but... Mac Jones, I, I think he's fine. I don't I think he's fine next to these guys. I don't think Mac Jones is great. I this is Mac Jones is one of the prime examples of why the Pro Bowl shouldn't matter anymore in regards to Hall of Fame status. Because Mac Jones has as many Pro Bowl appearances as Josh Allen. So that's a little bit of a insane thing. When you see Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and then Mac Jones have won Pro Bowl, the only thing Mac Jones did that was worthy of a Pro Bowl was doing the gritty. And like Trubisky has a Pro Bowl appearance. Like it's kind of crazy to think about, but tier tier six is where we get a little interesting. And I'm going to leave out the first one on here because I want you to guess who we haven't said yet because it's a pretty big name that we haven't said yet. So we got Sam Howell, Jordan Love, Baker, former number one overall draft pick. He wasn't the one I was talking about. Desmond Ritter. 
I think Desmond Ritter will be fine this year. I'm excited to see what he can do. I think he's going to have a lot taken off his play with B. John Robinson coming in. Maybe the Falcons draft a quarterback this year. We'll get to that in a little bit, though. Baker shouldn't have been the number one overall pick ever. I mean, I think everybody said that when he got drafted. Apart from people just solely looking at stats, no one really thought he should be the number one overall draft pick, and it's kind of shown throughout the rest of his career. I, I appreciate what he did with the Rams coming in on short notice and having a good game, but that was it. I'm intrigued to see what Jordan Love does. I'm very intrigued to see what Jordan Love does this year. I was a big fan of Jordan Love coming out of college. I was a big fan of him, so I'm intrigued to see what he does. Sam Howell, same thing. I was a big fan of him coming out of North Carolina. I'm intrigued to see what he does. Maybe they go after quarterback. Jordan Love, I don't think they'll go after quarterback this early. They just they just triggered his fifth-year option. Sam Howell's a little less leeway because he was a fifth-round draft pick. But uh, we brought up Baker Mayfield, former number one overall pick. Uh, Kyler Murray is in Tier 6. Really? Tier 6. I understand Kyler Murray's slightly annoying. I find him annoying. But you cannot deny the dude's not talented. The dude was an MVP candidate like two years ago. He's on one of the worst teams in football. He's got a torn ACL. We're going to throw him in tier six with Sam Howell, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, and Desmond Ritter. Baker Mayfield has never been near the levels that brought that Kyler Murray has been throughout his NFL career. Two of them are second-year players, and one of them is getting his first year as a starter. So I understand why Love, Howell, Ritter, and Mayfield are all down here. Kyler Murray, that is just wildly disrespectful. To have him below Tannehill... Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo, really, really. I have I understand having outside the top fifteen. That's fine. Having outside the top fifteen is perfectly okay. But all the way down here, with quarterbacks that have started one season, that is that is insane. One tier above the rookies, which are Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. One tier above them, that is that is insane. That is insane. I understand Kyler Murray's annoying. I've said Kyler Murray's annoying. I think he's annoying. I think it, him being like, oh, I don't care. Oh, I don't do that. Uh, like his deep-ass voice. I don't, it doesn't, Kyler Murray can play. Kyler Murray can play. And I think that goes into... I think people kind of forget that because of how bad the Cardinals were under Cliff Kingsbury. He's the only reason Cliff Kingsbury had the job as long as he did. And then he got hurt, and it was like, oh, okay, well, this dude really can't coach. Which is why he's now the quarterback coach at USC. And not an office coordinator or head coach in the NFL again. He sucked in Arizona. Just stay down in college. Just stay down. No one liked that appointment when it got made, and no one liked it ever since then. We blasted it when it was first made. I think Kyler Murray can play, though. To have him in Tier 6 is disrespectful. And then you have, I saw a mock draft. So Jordan Reed, so Tom McShay just got fired. ESPN had their yearly mass firing day a couple weeks ago, or about a week ago. Todd McShay has been one of the face of the NFL draft for ESPN for the past, like, decade, 15 years or so. And Jordan Reed is going to be one of the next in lines. It's going to be Matt Miller and Jordan Reed. Mel Kuyper's still there, obviously. He'll never he'll never leave. Him and Stephen A. are always, as far as I'm aware, they're as locked in as locked in can be. Matt, Mel Kuyper, for his sometimes wild-ish takes, he is the main reason the NFL draft's as big as it is. Weirdly to say that, he's he's the reason the NFL draft's as big as where it's as popularized as this. But Jordan Reed, I have no issue with Jordan Reed. He released a mock draft last week on July 6th, the same day I screenshotted this, which I didn't realize till today because I just saw this today. But uh, yeah, he made a mock draft, which I always think is fun to make all the way in July. I think that's very fun. Like It's like eight months until the draft, so perfect time to do that now. I think we can have a general grasp of who's going to be the bad teams in the NFL 
But the players, I I always find very interesting. We might do one just because it's fun. But this is what I'm talking about, though, with the disrespect towards Kyler. Again, I think he's slightly annoying. But Caleb Williams going to Arizona 1. I find it very hard to believe at this point in time. I I love Caleb Williams. Don't get me wrong. He was my number one quarterback in the draft. I think he's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. I just don't think the Cardinals will be taking him. I think the Cardinals will have the number one overall pick. I think the Cardinals will trade out of said number one overall pick. I think a team like Washington would trade up there because Caleb Williams is from the D.C. area. I think a team like the Rams to keep him over in L.A. would trade up to get him. I don't, But the Cardinals wouldn't trade the number one pick to the Rams to get Caleb Williams. That would be stupid. I don't care how much of a haul you get. Nothing will be worth getting your ass kicked by Caleb Williams every single year if he gets coached by Sean McVay. That's Nothing is worth that. Nothing is worth Not even your entire draft for the next five years. Not worth it. So you know the Rams wouldn't be afraid to do that. But uh, his reasoning is the Cardinals are in a clear rebuild mode with the league's worst roster on paper. Quarterback Kyler Murray remains sideline following torn ACL. And with his timetable still uncertain, the new regime in place, Arizona could consider offloading his massive contract and selecting elite quarterback in the draft. That's the problem. That's one of the big problems there. The contract. No one's going to trade for that. Kyler Murray is extremely valuable to the Cardinals organization because of the contract he's on. But you're going to have to find a team that's willing to take the contract. Cardinals will not trade him. I have a hard time believing Cardinals would trade Kyler Murray. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Again, the draft's not until freaking April of 2024. We've got a long-ass time. We're seeing here July 11th. So my idea of Kyler Murray getting traded from the Cardinals and them drafting Caleb Williams now seems kind of crazy. But maybe in the future, I think differently about it. But I really don't think... Kyler Murray was one of the few things that kept this team afloat last season. Over the past however many seasons. This team sucked, and Kyler Murray is not the reason this team sucked. Kyler Murray, I think, got overpaid, but that's the market. That's the market. He has a 51.9 million cap number in 2024, and the team would face a huge dead money if it would if he would if it would moved on. Yeah, that's what I just said. There's no chance that tra- contract's getting traded. I like Kyler Murray. That is a lot of money for the worst roster in the NFL. I don't think you can afford trading that. Maybe you feel like getting Caleb Williams is worth that. And maybe he is. Maybe he is. But nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's, I guess nothing's guaranteed Kyler comes back fully healthy. Who the hell knows? Kyler Murray, I wouldn't even play him this season. I would give him a full red shirt season. Wouldn't even bother playing him. You're going to suck ass all year. And you get that number one overall pick, you can get a freaking bounty. You look at what the freaking Chicago Bears got for Bryce Young. What are you going to get for Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams will probably, as, as we sit here right now, again, this could change over time, but as we sit right here, Caleb Williams very well may go back-to-back in the Heisman, be the second ever person to do that in college football history. You know the bounty you're going to get for Caleb Williams? Especially for some quarterback-needy teams? You look at teams like, they may not be quarterback-needy per se, but like the Falcons, the Washington Commanders, like teams that are going with younger, late-round draft picks this year? What are they going to give up for a guy like Caleb Williams? It's interesting to see. And then the Cardinals at two with the Texans pick, I think they keep that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Take Marvin Harrison. Yeah, he's the best player in the draft, apart from Caleb Williams. Yeah. Number three, the Bucks. They could be one of the teams straight up, too. I don't think we mentioned them, but they could definitely be one of the teams. Drake May. I wouldn't be shot to Drake May. Actually, again, I'm going to keep sound. I sound like a broken record here, but the opinions can change throughout the year. And I've said this before. I wouldn't be shot to Drake May was the first quarterback taken in the draft. I wouldn't be shocked by that because I think when you look at the draft and how teams want to build, each person's going to look at it differently, of course, but Drake May, 
is working with a whole hell of a lot less than Caleb Williams. He is bigger than Caleb Williams. He's going to put up probably better rushing numbers. He did at least last year with a way worse defense. Caleb Williams will be competing for a national championship. Drake may maybe be competing for a Big East side of the conference. Their ACC, what is their Coastal or Atlantic? I don't. The ACC does their stuff weird. Like if you're if you if you're in a same conference with a team in your state, wouldn't you think those two teams should be in the same side of the conference? Wouldn't you think that make the most sense? No, yeah, I didn't think. And the Coastal and Atlantic, that's still the same thing. You're still on the Atlantic coast. So why would you be a Coastal and Atlantic? I I don't know. I don't understand how that works, but. That's going to be their goal, is to get a, a like appearance in the ACC championship game. And I don't even know if they're in, are they in Florida State side of the conference? Is that where they are? Because Florida State is going to be one of the teams in there that I would imagine, anyways. Are they on that side? No, they're not. Okay, so they'll go in the coastal. They will win the coastal. I'm fairly confident. I don't think Pitt, Phil Yurkovic transferred. Maybe Duke challenges. I like Riley Leonard a lot, so we'll see him. Maybe Miami's improved with Tyler Van Dyke. I would hope they're improved anyways. But they'll go to the, they'll that's going to be their goal. But I wouldn't be shocked if he's working with way less. When you get drafted high in the you get picked high in the draft, you're not going to be playing with the best players. And sometimes that gets viewed a little bit differently by uh, people view that differently than others do about how important that is playing with the best players, but you see rather than putting up numbers with bad players cuz you're not going to play with elite players right away. So I wouldn't be surprised if Drake May got put up there. But the Bucks, yeah, they're going to be one of the teams that take his quarterback. They're going to be one of the teams there. Then we got the Colts taking Olu Fashanu from Penn State. Yeah, him and Alt, two best tackles in the draft, is going to be one of those guys. Uh, J.C. Latham actually goes to the Titans at six. He's another tackle from Alabama. Jared Verse from Florida State going five. Yeah, edge rusher. He was going to be one of the top edge rushers in this draft before he decided to go back to college. Quinn Ewers going to Washington at eight. I think Washington will definitely push for Caleb Williams. I think they'll definitely push for Caleb Williams. You saw what they gave up for RG3. Now, Daniel Snyder may very well be out of the team at that point. I don't know if he's officially out yet, but he, there's been a lot of talks of him being out. But Caleb Williams, D.C. guy. I would like to see them try to trade up for him. Get a hometown kid in there. Hometown kid in there. So, yeah, that's what I'm expecting. But Quinn Ewers, yeah, I can see that. Khalid McKintry going to the Raiders at 9. Yeah, best corner of the draft. Dallas Turner from Alabama going to the Bears. Egmeka Buka, another Ohio State guy going to the Bears at 11. Brock Bowers. be a damn shame if the Patriots got Brock Bowers. Damn shame if the Patriots got Brock Bowers. Uh, Braylon Trice from Washington going to Atlanta at 13. We got Mason Smith from LSU going to the Pittsburgh at 14. Roma Dunze from Washington. That dude's going to put some crazy numbers. That number two wide receiver spot will be very interesting to watch out for between Emeka Buka and Roma Dunze because I'm sure a lot of people will look at that as Emeka Ibuka is going to be getting a lot of the team's second coverages because of the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. is on the other side. So he's not going to be going up against the best. Rome will be going up against the best guys. So I think that could weigh a little bit on them. Uh, JT Tuyamalu from Ohio State to Denver at 16. We got Michael Hall from Ohio State uh, going to Houston at 17. Donovan Jackson from Ohio State going to the – we got three Ohio State guys going back to back to back. Uh, Jerzon Newton going from Illinois going to Seattle at 19. Christian Mahogany from Boston College. Love guards from Boston College. Gotta like guards from Boston College. Going to New Orleans at 20. We got Chop Robinson from Penn State going to the Vikings at 21. Chris Jenkins from Michigan going to the Chargers at 22. Uh, Cameron Kitchens going to the Packers at 23. Another safety. Cooper Beebe from Kansas State. Like him, he was going to be one of the top guards in this year's draft. Decided to come back. Going to Baltimore. Uh, Kalen King, very solid corner. Very, very solid corner from Detroit, from Penn State going to Detroit. 
Uh, Kamari Lannister, Lassiter from Georgia. It's a Georgia defender. Can't really go wrong there. Jason Marshall going to Dallas at 27. Jeremiah Trotter, linebacker from Clemson. I would not like to see the Bills draft a linebacker this year. I would like to think Dorian Williams is the guy at linebacker. I would like to see them address the offensive line in some capacity, but we'll have to see maybe a secondary piece because Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer will be aging out here soon. Maybe a receiver. Who the hell knows? But linebacker, I'd like to go somewhere. Maybe they get go after Cooper DeGene. Who knows? Uh, Kingsley... <coughs> Kingsley Suomatia, sorry, from BYU going to San Francisco at 29. We got Graham Barton from Duke going to Cincinnati at 30. Javon Bullard from Georgia going to Philadelphia at 31 and 32. Xavier Worthy from Texas going to Kansas City at 32. Xavier Worthy is going to put up some decent numbers. I think Neighbors from LSU will definitely be mentioned up there as well. And J.J. McCarthy, I think, will be mentioned up there. I think freaking Tennessee score. Joe Milton, I think he'll probably be mentioned up there. Cooper DeGene, I think he should definitely be mentioned in the first round. I don't know. Like, if you're looking for a safety, I don't think he'll play corner, but he's athletic enough to, but I would imagine he'd move over to safety. He can play both, so it doesn't really matter. But the Arizona spot at one. Like, I'm like 95% sure Arizona's going to be picking first. Whether it's the Texans pick or the Cardinals pick, they may be, they're probably going to have two top five picks regardless. I don't think it'll be Caleb. I think they're going to trade out of that number one spot if they have it because, good Lord. you have, Again, you have the worst roster in football. You have a quarterback tied down to a massive contract who's actually fairly good, who's once an MVP in the MVP conversation, carrying a coach that should never have been in the NFL in the first place. So, yeah, I would keep Kyler, trade, trade the picks, build your roster back, and you think Caleb Williams is going to be better than Kyler Murray? That's fine. I I have no issue with that because I do think Caleb Williams will be very good. But you could get a lot of picks for Caleb Williams. A lot of picks for Caleb Williams. But with that, I think it'd be fun. I saw this on Instagram as well. Uh, top 50 quarterbacks in college football. This is from JGP Visuals. I want to talk about this a little bit. I saw it. It was top 50 players or top 10 players per each position. But I thought it'd be fun to look at their quarterbacks. It was all the way from freaking April. It popped up my Explore page a while ago, or like a, like a week ago. Where did it go? I took a screenshot of it because I didn't want to forget the Instagram account. I have lost it. I have lost it. I just looked at it earlier. Where did it go? Where did There it is. Top 10 quarterbacks. So it was top 10 players for each position, but it was all the way back in April. This one's from June. Top 10 quarterbacks. In college football. And then what's crazy, Milton lost his job to the guy that lost his job to J.J. McCarthy. So, Kay McNamara. But uh, well, that's, that's just a comment in here. So, we got number one, Caleb Williams, Drake May, two, Michael Penix, three, Jordan Travis, four, Bo Nix, five. I think for just college standards, I think that's your top five. Maybe you move Jordan Travis up past uh, Michael Penix, but who knows? That's just projection. I think... Drake May, we did our Heisman ranking. All these guys were in our top five Heismans. It's fairly simple to see why all these guys are in the Heisman rankings. But Drake May, we had a little lower just because I don't think he'll be competing for anything. I think you, for a Heisman nowadays, you got to be competing for like national championships or conference titles, which I think they'll be going to a conference championship, but I don't think they'll actually be competing for one, if that makes sense. And then he got Sam Hartman, six, Jaden Daniels, seven, Joe Milton, eight, Austin Reed from Western Kentucky at nine, and Jalen Daniels, ten. This is the first time I'm looking at this one. I saw the one with the top 10 quarterbacks in college. Is it the same list? I guess I didn't even see it or look at it that closely. Okay, it's it's a little different. 
it's a little different. There's a guy at number nine and number 10 that are not in the top 10 for this one. So, yeah. Joe Milton, I think, will put up monster numbers. I think Tennessee's got the best offensive game plan in college football. I think Ohio State will probably be the best offense just because of the running backs they have and the receivers they have. But it all depends on how good their quarterback is. It all depends on how good Kyle McCord is if he ends up being the starter. Who the hell knows? I don't know if he's officially been named or not, but Joe Milton, I think, will put up monster numbers at Tennessee. I think not having Jalen Hyatt and Cedric, Cedric, uh, wow, I am completely blanking. Cedric Tillman, good Lord. Not having them will be big, but I still think this offense is in place, and I think Joe Milton could absolutely tear it up this year. That's all potential. It's all potential. We'll have to wait and see. Jane Daniels, I really like him. Sam Hartman, solid. He's a solid quarterback. I don't think he does anything like particularly special, but he's a solid quarterback. I think he'll be, he's an upgrade for Notre Dame, especially. So we'll see. The, Austin Reed, Western Kentucky, will put up monster numbers. Western Kentucky always puts up monster numbers. Jalen Daniels, I'm surprised to see him top 10. By, he's an exciting quarterback and plays for Kansas, so you know it's always fun. Number 11, Shadur Sanders, 12, Frank Harris from UTSA. like that. Cam Rising, 13, Riley Leonard, 14, Michael Pratt from Tulane, 15. I would slide 13, 14, 15 up. I would slide all those guys up. I like Shadur Sanders. I like Frank Harris a lot. And I think Shadur Sanders deserves a spot in the top 15. I think that's well-deserved because of what he did at Jackson State. We'll see how he does at Colorado because Colorado was bad. I think a lot of people are looking at Colorado like, oh, hey, they'll go nine wins or ten wins this year because they got Deion Sanders, Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, and all those guys. They won one game last year. They'll be better because they can't be worse than what they were, and they lost a lot of people. Forever you want to look at that, they lost a lot of people. So, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be a lot of chopping and change. I think two years they'll be really good or, like, solid, but this year will be interesting. I like Shadur Sanders, though, and Frank Harris, I like him a lot, too. Sincere McCormick and him were very good one-two tandem at UTSA. They're always competing for conference titles. They're always a very good team. So I understand why he's in the top 15. But Cam Rising, for a college standpoint, I think definitely needs to be higher. Riley Leonard, I like him a lot. Just plays for Duke. He'll be rising up draft boards as the season progresses. Michael Pratt, for what he did at Tulane last year, him and Ty J. Spears on offense, I think you have to put him a little bit higher there. They went head-to-head with freaking USC. I never thought that would freaking happen. So I would have to put him a little bit higher. 16, we got J.J. McCarthy, Tuili Tagovailoa at 17, Carson Beck and Kyle McCord 18 and 19, and then Tanner Mordecai at 20. I I respect you putting Carson Beck and Kyle McCord in here because I think I think Kyle McCord will put up really good numbers. I think he'll put up really good numbers because of the fact he's got an elite receiving core. And he won't be asked to do too much because he got Travion Henderson and another I can't remember their other running back for whatever reason behind him. But Tanner Mordecai has put up insane numbers at SMU and I understand that's a lot to do with their offense and his numbers will take a dip probably because he's at Wisconsin completely different game plan it depends on how Luke Fickle changes it but Braylon Allen there they're going to be a run first team one would suspect JJ McCarthy from a draft standpoint has all the potential in the world but I understand him be behind some of these quarterbacks in regards to just strictly college football Tulio Tagovailoa puts up really good numbers at Maryland I'm not the biggest fan of him but I can understand for some people why it would be at 17, but it's, it's just intriguing to see two guys in Beck and McCord that haven't played really in college football. Then we've got uh, 21 through 25. We got Grayson McCall, who I think should be a little bit higher, especially above two. I understand again why, but and then 22, uh, KJ Jefferson definitely should be higher. Definitely should be higher. Arkansas's offense with him and Raheem Sanders, that is a very, very, very good rush offense. He might be limited in some capacities as a passer. I think Arkansas needs to unleash him a little bit more. It feels like they've got him, like, roped off a little bit. 
I don't think they'll giving KJ Jefferson his full opportunity to shine. This dude's got an absolute hose for an arm. I think they want to show, they got to show it off a little bit, but they're run first team. So they're going to keep doing that. They got a very good running back. So I'd understand why and KJ Jefferson being as big as he is, is a good runner. So I understand why, but I want to see him play unleashed a little bit more. Spencer Rattler, I think should be higher. I don't, I'm not a massive fan of like the person Spencer Rattler, but he is insanely talented. Devin Leary, same thing. I like Devin Leary a lot. Transferred to Kentucky this year from NC State. I like Devin Leary. As a college quarterback. Like, I... Again, like, Tua Tagovailoa, I don't think is better than any of the quarterbacks that I just mentioned. McCor, or McCall, Jefferson, Rattler, Devin Leary. I don't think he's better than any of those four. I don't think he's better than any of those four. And you got Curtis Roke, Rourke from Ohio there at number 25. Then we've got the top 26 through 30. We've got Drew Allar, Drew Aller from Penn State. Everybody's excited to see what he can do this year. Cade Klubnick, Tyler Show, Will Rogers, and Chev- Siobhan Cordero. I think Will Rod. I like Will Rogers quite a bit. Tyler Show. We just need to see consistent play from him. He's battled a lot of injuries recently. I just need to see some consistent play here because he is talented. Tyler Show is very talented. Cade Klubnick. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just not sold on Clemson quarterbacks right now. So, but Drew Alar, I think a lot of people are expecting him to be good because Penn State's expected to be good as well. But Will Rogers, I think, should be a little bit higher, just for the numbers he puts. I don't think Tuilia Tagovailoa is better than him, if I'm being honest. I mean, 100%, I like Will Rogers. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, all the way down at 31. Jackson Dart, 32. Will Howard, 33. Cameron Ward, 34. Quinn Ewers, 35. I think those all should be a little higher. I like all those quarterbacks. Like, I might be looking at it from a draft standpoint with Quinn Ewers and Cameron Ward, but those two deserve to be higher than 34 and 35. Jackson Dart is better than 32. Dylan Gabriel, I understand Oklahoma went 6-6 six and six this past year. Dylan Gabriel is better than number 31. Will Howard, you know, I can understand because he wasn't the full-time starter last year with Adrian Martinez, but the dude's talented. All these guys on this one are talented. I think those, I think all those five are slightly disrespected here. I think all those five are slightly disrespected. Then we got 36 through 40. We got Jeff Sims, recent Nebraska transfer. Connor Wagman from Texas A&M. We got Seth Hannigan from Memphis. We got Brent Armstrong from NC State. And we got Carter Bradley from South Alabama. Brandon Armstrong is inconsistent as hell, but I think he's talented. He transferred from Virginia this offseason to NC State, replacing Devin Leary, went to Kentucky. Hopefully that gets him some consistency there because of the fact, like, you look at what he did at Virginia. Like, if he wasn't on, Virginia lost. It was like 99%, uh, what do you want to call it? Yeah, 99% success rate. If he didn't play well, Virginia lost. He was literally every facet of their offense. Their defense was just freaking dog water. Now, Jeff Sims, I'm intrigued to see what he does in Nebraska. I am intrigued. I like Jeff Sims. He was decent at Georgia Tech. I'm intrigued to see what he does there. And then uh, 41 through 45, we got Dante Moore at UCLA. We got Keen Slovis, Cade McNamara, Gunnar Watson at Troy, and Garrett Schrader at Syracuse. Cade McNamara, I have a hard time ranking Cade McNamara because I think he's a solid quarterback. I think, and I've said this a thousand times on here, I think Iowa fans overrate Cade McNamara immensely just because of the fact he's a thousand times better than what they've had. I think there's that's fair. I think that's very fair to do that, but there's probably some Iowa fans that are a little upset here, and there's going to be people that are like, I, I don't know. And Keaton Slovis, I think if this was like two years ago, he should definitely be higher. But based on what we've seen recently since the shoulder injury, I, yeah, I, I think that's fine. Dante Moore, I'm excited to see. 
Replacing DTR will not be an easy task, but UCLA is they're building something. They're building something over there. But Garrett Schrader, I like Garrett Schrader. I think Garrett Schrader is a pretty decent quarterback. And then the final ones, we've got Donovan Smith from from Houston, transferred from Texas Tech. Almost said Texas Tech, transferred to Houston. We've got Phil Yurkovic at Pitt. We've got John Reese Plumley at UCF, DJ Uyagalele at, at Oregon State, and Diego Pavia at New Mexico State. So what's odd here is that we have no Alabama quarterbacks. No Alabama. Tyler Bushner. Jalen Milrow, no Alabama quarterbacks are present in this. Isn't that kind of crazy to think about? Isn't that kind of crazy? We were just treated to Bryce Young. We had Tua. We had Jalen Hurts. And now we've got no Alabama quarterbacks in here. That is absolutely insane. But Phil Yurkovic, I think, is a solid quarterback. I I think I just need – we just need to see him play better. Like, he was playing with a run-first team that wasn't very good in Boston College. And he bowed some injuries there. He went from a top prospect to pretty much not mentioned anywhere near that – but he's got the size, he's got the mobility. I think he can be good, especially in this offense. I think him and Pat Narduzzi could be very fun to watch together. I think Tyler Van Dyke, same thing. I just You need to see it more consistently because we saw it last year and he kept getting hurt. They fired their offensive coordinator, so we'll see how he does improve. If he's improved this season, I expect a lot from Tyler Van Dyke. I think he's better than some of the quarterbacks we mentioned on here already. I think, if I'm being honest, I think Tyler Van Dyke's better than Cade McNamara. But I understand why Tyler Van Dyke's not on this list, given what we saw last year. We saw them get absolutely blown out in Middle Tennessee State. Absolutely blown out. We saw them get in a fight with fans in regards to saying, oh, we never have home crowds here, our home crowd sucks. I understand that, but, yeah, and isn't it crazy, DJ Uyagalele is all the way down at 49, in between a UCF quarterback and a New Mexico State quarterback. <laughs> Dude, who, who saw that coming when he first started his career at Clemson when they played Notre Dame? Who saw that coming? But, man, I don't think that's a terrible list. It's There's some ones that I would definitely change. That's the fun with sports media. There's there's differences with everything. But, like, I, I'm reading the comments a little bit now. I think Carson Beck and Kyle McCord being in the top 20s, I think, is a little premature. But I would I would put Car- Kyle McCord – I don't know. I, I feel like Kyle McCord's numbers will be better. So I would put him just preemptively above Carson Beck. But I wouldn't, like, separate them a lot. But, yeah, it's – it's interesting. Tulia Tagaviola is the odd one in the top 20, at least to me, apart from the two people that have never played. But I understand, like, like even some of the oddballs, like Austin Reed. I think top 10 is a little rich, but I understand why he's up high. Shadur Sanders at 11, I think it's a little high. Frank Harris at 12 might be a tiny bit high. And then they've got Tagaviola, Beck, and McCord. But, yeah, I think JJ, KJ Jefferson being a little disrespected here. I think Spencer Rattler... Grayson McCall, Devin Leary, I think are a little disrespected there. Then who else? Oh, everybody from 31 to 35. Dylan Gabriel, Jackson Dart, Will Howard, Cameron Ward, Quinn Ewers. I think those guys are all being disrespected. But yeah, that's what I've got for you on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Bible Show. Those are the top five QB or top 50 QBs in college football. Oh, top 10 QBs in college football since 2000 according chat TBT. Cam Newton, Vince Young, Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, Tim Tebow, Marcus Mariota, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston. I've already said the best one that I've seen for an individual season is Joe Burrow, but I understand Cam Newton be number one up there. Vince Young, I would definitely put in there as well. Baker, it's hard not to put a mention up there, and Tim Tebow has to be mentioned in there too. That'd be my top five college quarterbacks of all time. Burrow, Cam, Vince Young, Tebow, Baker. That would be my top five college quarterbacks of all time. And Vince Young for longevity would be number one, but for what they did for those individual seasons, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, I think those have to be 
talked about. And then for impact, Marcus Mariota, definitely. You had everybody cheering for Oregon. Everybody watched Oregon when I was in high school, middle school. Everybody watched Oregon. You had no affiliation to Oregon. Guess what? You were watching Oregon football because of Marcus Mariota. And they had, like, Michael James. They had freaking DeAnthony Thomas. Like, they had a fun-ass team there. Fun-ass team. And Johnny Manziel, as we mentioned in there. Like, they have Jameis Winston here. Johnny Manziel was the first freshman to win a Heisman. Jameis Winston was the second. But the running backs, Reggie Bush, number one. Yeah, makes sense. Derrick Henry, Adrian Peterson, Zeke, Saquon, Chris McCaffrey, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, LaDainian Tomlinson, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Reggie Bush, number one. Adrian Peterson being number three, I might put him at number two. LT, I think, needs to be a little higher. Melvin Gordon at seven, I think he needs to be a little bit higher. That dude was unreal at Wisconsin. Unreal at Wisconsin. Receivers, Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, Julio Jones, Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper, Devontae Smith, Justin Blackman, Randy Moss, Sammy Watkins, and Marquise Lee. Marquise Lee looks a little out of place in that top 10, doesn't he? I liked Marquise Marquise Lee at USC, but that feels a little bit out of place there. Is there anybody that I could think of at the top of my head that should replace him in the top 10? Uh, freaking was Amari Cooper. Okay. Amari Cooper was mentioned there. So I was like, wait a minute. Did Amari Cooper not get mentioned in that top 10? There's gotta be other Calvin Ridley. I would put above Marquise Lee. Arguably. There's gotta be others. I'm completely forgetting about the Ohio state guys. Any of the Ohio state guys that they had there. I put them above Marquise Lee. I, I don't think Marquise Lee was a bad, I don't want to make it sound like I think Marquise Lee was a bad receiver, but Number 10, given all these other... DeAndre Hopkins. Sammy Watkins was ridiculous at Clemson, though. Uh, Tavon Austin could be mentioned in there, too. Michael Crabtree was ridiculous at Texas Tech. Julio Jones, obviously. The Falcons traded from, like, 27 to 6 to get Julio Jones. Ridiculous. Calvin Johnson, yeah, it makes sense. Out of all these guys, I'd probably say, yeah, Calvin's number one. But Devontae Smith won the Heisman, so I can't really discredit that. Jalen Waddle, though, that dude was a problem at Alabama. I'd put him above Marcus Lee, too. Tight ends, Gronk, that kind of feels like a revisionist history. I don't think people considered Gronk the greatest tight end of all time in college. I don't think that I don't think that was a thing. Heath Miller, people talked about Heath Miller. Dallas Clark, Iowa, Zach Ertz, Kellen Winslow, Tyler Eifert, Jermaine Gresham, Hunter Henry, Mercedes Lewis, and Evan Ingram. I understand it's from a draft standpoint, but we're not including Vernon Davis there from Maryland. Kyle Pitts at Florida. And Kyle Pitts was ridiculous at Florida. I, I think it's a little bit revisionist to put Gronk at number one. Dallas Clark's more than deserving to be on there. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised George Kill's not here. <laughs> like, Kellen Winslow was ridiculous at Miami. Ridiculous at Miami. Heath Miller, I'm not surprised at number two. Hunter Henry, I'm not surprised he's in there as well. Tyler Eifert, I'm not surprised he's in there. But I feel like Gronk's a little bit revisionist there. And then, what other ones do I really want to talk about? Really? Oh, that's just offensive players. Well, I think that's all I've got for you. That was just one random thing that I saw on here. And someone I saw in the comments said Bowers, question mark. I don't think we're ready to put him in the top 10 tight ends of all time yet. We'll have to wait and see on that. But, yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today. I do hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I sincerely apologize. I'll try to be better next time. Hopefully, the United States came away with a win against Panama. And, yeah, is there anything else that I'd, like, really itching to try? Oh, Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou is officially, apparently on. So, we'll see if that actually happens. I don't know. I'm not confident in that happening. But, we'll see. We'll see. So, yeah. That's all I've got. Hope you enjoyed. And I will see you all later. Make sure, again, to follow the Logan Bible Show on every single form of social media. And, peace.